Lord God, thank you again for your grace, your mercy, your love, Lord. Uh, just, uh, Lord, the joy that you give us. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for just the, the beautiful days that you give us. And, uh, Lord, we just ask that as we look at this uh, uh, petition of forgiveness, Lord, that we would uh, help one another and that we would find strength from you, Holy Spirit, to forgive others freely and that we would desire to. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the fifth petition, which we find in the Lord's Prayer, is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. So, according to Luther, what does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them, but we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. Boy, that's a tough word. Gladly do good to those who... <laughs> uh, so before we dive into what, what what's your thoughts when you read Luther's explanation on that? Yeah? Fair enough. No, I agree. Tough to receive. It says that forgive us our sins. I was going to say, I can't tell you the number of times at the railroad of, of people being able to receive it. There's grace of giving, grace of receiving. Sure. But, I, you know, I've sinned too much. Common theme. I, I, I can't be forgiven. It could be an excuse, but a lot of times it's a heartfelt reason before we even forgive others. Yeah. They can't receive for whatever reason, parents or whatever circumstances, to believe that God would forgive them. Well, what's interesting here that that uh, just because of my upbringing, for him to say, "For we daily sin much and sur and surely deserve nothing but punishment," that would be a hard um, uh, thing for for my parents to accept because they would say, "Well, you know, that's that they would call it a defeatist attitude." Well, if you're to say that you're sinning much you know, why even try, would be what they would say. Um, and I think that, that, so there's a balance there, right? Because, yeah, do we wake up every morning and go, yay, I'm going to sin a lot today, right? We don't, but we are clothed in this flesh that is under condemnation. That's why we're changed. First Corinthians 15, that's why we're changed in the twinkling of an eye, because this body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, because it is corrupt because of the sin nature that still dwells within it. So, I mean, there is a balance there because we have to be careful. If you're saying, oh, well, who cares? I'm going to sin all day long, right? Well, <laughs> that's not a great way to start your day either, right? It, you know, because that's what the enemy wants you to, to do is, is say, oh, well, just don't, even, just don't even think about Jesus. Don't even think about God because you're already, you're already defeated anyway. Well, the new person in Christ isn't defeated. So there's a balance there. So we have to be careful even with Scripture but even with things that are explained, that we don't just take it completely out of context, right? Because the context is here is realizing that we are in need of a Savior every day. That's the real context. Knowing that I need the help of the forgiveness of sins that Jesus gives us on a regular basis. Steve? I was, I was just going to say that one of the, not by omission and commission, but when it says we, the things we deserve, I was just thinking... That evangelist said, what about your attitude, your actions? 
words, thoughts, and deeds, just the innermost being of, of the daily of the life. You know, we, I don't know about you guys, but I, Luther's right. My attitude every day. Your attitude's not perfect all day long? Per- let me say it, it's <laughs> lacking. There's room for improvement. I'm halfway <laughs> decent. I'm halfway decent from the moment I wake up to the moment I roll out of bed. <laughs> for a moment. I grumble for it. Just so, see, I would start right off the bat, but you know. So, um, why is it essential that we ask for the forgiveness of sins? Let's look at some scripture. Proverbs 28, verse 13. So, what's that explaining? Why is it important that we ask for forgiveness? Well, we bury it. You know, you can never really bury it. Okay. And I think of how many people you know, you maybe more than others, who have sinned one one degree or another and tried to just bury it down there and forget it and move on, but inevitably it comes back. Okay. It's not good. What else? What else are we denying ourselves if we don't confess our sins? Okay. Well, we're denying God's forgiveness of our sins if mm-hmm. we deny them. Okay. And when you're forgiven, you feel better. Okay. Why? It's like a okay. off of your debt. So what's the last word in that verse that you read, Carly? Um, mercy. So when we bury our sin and we don't ask for forgiveness, we are we are withholding, we are rejecting. I won't say withholding is a problem, right? We are rejecting the mercy of God, and we need mercy because mercy makes us feel much better because we realize that we're not getting what we deserve um, because you know our sin, and that's and that's tough. Um, let's look at Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right, so why is it essential that we seek forgiveness? We, uh, we lie to ourselves constantly. It really wasn't that bad, Steve. You really, you know, you get a special dispensation. Somebody go to the end of Psalm 139 for me, if you would. Psalm 139. What's that? And the verse that I the verse that I would like to hear is I think the last verse, but it starts with search. Search my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of life. So when we look at Jeremiah seventeen and nine, the heart is deceitful of the wicked and beyond cure. Who can know it? Well, God can know it, right? So I always find it interesting when, when you hear the phrase, just follow your heart. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> my heart has uh, led me into places at times that were, were not necessarily beneficial. What they're really saying is just give in to your desire, right? Because you're, well, if my heart desires me to be this way or to participate in this, why should I deny what my heart is telling me? Even in the Christian world, we've seen Christian people and even the high profile 
who have divorced uh, their mate because they felt like their heart was telling them that this new person was who they were really supposed to be with. And you're just like, wait a second. You know, let's, let's just step back and go, is that, is that really, you know, again, the heart is deceitfully wicked. And this is a tough one for me because why? Because God says, I will give you a new heart. And so this is where we have the battle between the flesh and the spirit because the flesh heart is deceitfully wicked and beyond cure. But the new person in Christ has a heart that is pure and that does all that is right and the will of God. And so we have to go, okay, which one, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had these days where you just feel like you're in the middle, you're the rope in a tug of war, right? And you're just being pulled both ways. I, I want to do this. No, I'm listening to the Lord. And, and I think this is what we're supposed to do. And it's just exhausting sometimes in our lives. Um, but the, you know, they, that's that phrase, the struggle is real. Well, okay, for Christians, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is a real struggle to live in this world. And that's why God continues to say, trust in me, look to me. I'm the one that will sustain you through all of this. So what are we asking God to do when we seek forgiveness? Before we look at the scriptures, what are we asking God to do? What's your understanding of that? Okay. Okay. What does that mean? Both of those. Okay. Cleanse from what? Okay. Erase the record. Okay. Yeah. Delete my file. Delete. Delete. And then and delete and then go to the trash bin and empty it. You know. I mean, I forget how many files I have in my trash bin. I'm like, oh, maybe I should. Shouldn't take three minutes to empty my trash bin on my computer. Uh, yeah, so, Bruce Almighty or Morgan Freeman, that yeah, final cabinet yeah, door, yeah. went all the way to eternity. Oh, oh, yeah, and that's, you know, what's great about that movie is that even in, in Hollywood's weird fashion, they, had, they, they portrayed some interesting truths in there. Uh, that would be Bruce Almighty, the first one with Jim Carrey. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think... Morgan Freeman was God. Yeah, one of the greatest it, for me in that movie, on a side note, is you know after he realizes he can't be God, and he so he goes and he kneels in the middle of the road and prays and gets hit by the semi. <laughs> He's like, really, I realize this. And God's our Morgan Freeman says, you know, well, what did you expect if you kneel down in the middle of a freeway? <laughs> you know, so I mean, it just makes me laugh because <laughs> like, well, yeah, um, but anyway. So we're asking for him to, I think there's another thing that, that, well, we'll see if we find it in the scriptures here. So how about Psalm 1912? Who can understand and compare? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Okay. So there's something secret. And I would even say there's stuff that is hidden from you that is in you. Because <laughs> sometimes it comes up, you're like, where did that come from? Right? Oh, no kids today, huh? I just realized there's no kids today here. Oh, yeah. oh I thought you had something to say. Well, yeah. Oh. It's also like the sin of omission. Okay. Okay. We, I mean, we, there's things that God wants us to do that we don't do. Yeah. We, don't, we forget about them. I just was reading through, you know, our Bible thing yeah. laid out and talking about if a man forgets and, you know, he does something he doesn't know that he did and let him take a lamb and do that. I mean, and that's so God was covering that back there. Sins that you don't even know you committed. You did. Well, yeah. Your yeah. thoughts, I mean, you don't take into captivity every thought. We, we should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and it's interesting when you know I think of things that I did before I became a Christian. Yeah, good thing and, those are forgiven. And, I mean, in that context, it was very, you know, it wasn't all that unusual, um, but in the context and in the light of the Lord, you you know, every now and then something will come up from my past, and it's like, oh, I didn't realize. And so hopefully that helps you go, wow, what a Savior I have. Uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned that, Carly. So again, I'll go back to what I was raised in. Um, I was raised to believe that it's not a sin until the Holy Spirit reveals to you that it was a sin, right? And so I came across that scripture, and I took it to my, my father. I said, hey, well, how do you explain this? And he's like, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Because it's for the, they, they sacrificed for the sins they weren't even aware of, right? Um, and again... Uh, you know, the problem is, like you all said at the beginning, was it's impossible, it's hard to accept, it's hard to realize, right? We have all these things, and so we make these excuses and we make these plans of, of even Christian practice that make us feel at least like we're not completely dependent upon the Lord for everything. Tony? Okay. I hear this, and all I'm hearing is, you know, we're, we're so pitiful, and, and we're so sinful, and, and yet God does give us joy. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't understand. I mean, it's really hard for me to grasp this thing that we sin, and we don't even know it, and yeah. we're horrible, you know, we're horrible, and we need all this stuff. I, I don't understand that. Well, some of it's the backdrop as we go down this road to realize how great it is that we have life in Christ now. Because it really, it, it's kind of like when we're going through Lent um, and we look at some of the things that Christ suffered on our behalf, that's hard for us to accept, right? It, it, it's difficult because I don't want to take that responsibility. But then to see the great love of God that we are helpless without him, and I think that that's really the, the agreeing with God that in the flesh, we cannot. Simple as that. In the flesh. Now, in the spirit, which is what you love, right? In the spirit, we have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all these things and, 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 and uh, hope for a future. Um, but we don't have, those things are enhanced when we realize that it's because of everything that God has done on our behalf and what Jesus is continually doing in our lives, and that I don't have to rely on my flesh anymore because my flesh will fail me. But then, as you grow in the Lord, it, you know, the flesh is, well, especially as you get older, the flesh is really something I don't want to pay attention to, right? Because it's not getting better. But, so my hope shifts to the Lord, and you find as you grow in the Lord that you, you, you find more joy, I hope. You find more peace because you're like, ah, God's in control. He's got it taken care of. It's no big deal. Steve? Say, uh, uh, one of the things that I've noticed on the, uh, the counselors or people that do it is it says uh, cover my secret sins, things that have happened to you. It could be uh, uh, an abuse. It could be a lot of different things. But you talk to young, most Christians, they look at their own heart, the deep things that are stuffed way, way deep. And it takes the Holy Spirit to come out and, and minister because they're too painful to even, many times they're just too painful to even address I, I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to guys or 
people on the railroad or whatnot, you're on special for 12 hours, and you start finding out. Poor guys. Well, <laughs> you, you find out a little more details of, of how much pain that they were going through, and they couldn't they couldn't share it with just anybody because you know they got to converse yeah. about. But but it's true. I mean, we we when we come to Christ, we find a joy that is we can't even express, and it grows, and it's all in this backdrop because we have been forgiven. And so I think that there's a tension, which is a healthy tension, because we don't want to dwell on how miserable and pitiful I am all the time, because that, what happens is, right, we focus on ourselves, and then God gets left out of the picture, right? And so, and so, and some of the challenge with with picking apart the petitions this way is we're in a section right now, (laughs) it's like, well, this is all about how, why are we asking for forgiveness, right? We need to know why we're asking for forgiveness. But in the context, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Okay, holy God, I'm, ta- I'm talking to you. How your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen, right? So in context, that little phrase, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, fits really nice in all of that. But when we stop, and that's what my hope is, is that when we stop, and pause at that is that we would realize that it's not just I mean when we look at all of it together right what is God forgiving us of why why is it so important that we are assured of the forgiveness of sins why is it so necessary for us to recognize that we need to forgive because it's really tied to something here and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us right Forgive as you were forgiven. Right. And I think of how completely and fully Christ, God through Christ forgave me. And I look at some of the the situations in my life, and it's like you know, each day it's like I really need help on that. Yeah, but at the same time, we celebrate the victories yeah. that okay. First of all, I'm I know my eternal destiny. I know that I'm saved. I'm a new creation of Christ. And I used to really struggle with this, right? But God has delivered me from this. Now, it doesn't mean that that's still not a temptation, but it's not what it used to be, whatever that is, right? And so, but then the sad thing is you realize, well, that thing's, but I'm still faced with this, right? And you're like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Just like Shrek. <laughs> like Shrek. Ogre. <laughs> the ogre. How about Psalm 51, 1 through 2? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. All right, so this is one that we hold on to quite often. Um, so what are we asking God to do? What's what's the uh, what's the King David asking God to do there? Yeah, a lot, but blot out is complete, right? Yeah, I mean, 
that that's the delete file that, that you were talking about, Bob. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's gone. And that's something that's that's fun for us to think about. Um, justified means, you know, you could look at it as a simple de a definition of just as if I had never sinned. And then there's another one that I like to add to that, just as if I had always obeyed. Right? Now, again, for the sake of Christ, when, you know, in Christ, we we have always obeyed. Christ didn't sin, right? He was completely fulfilled the law. He never did anything wrong. And so our life is hidden in Christ, which means you and I, according to God, have never done anything wrong. So that brings up the question, why is it important for us then to, to ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness on a continual basis? I was going to say the one thing I noticed for myself is if you don't ask for forgiveness, you're packing that weight around. You're actually carrying a burden, a heavy load. Okay. And you are physically, mentally, emotionally um, under the weight of packing this thing. Sure, but let's just let's just let's just because I like to argue. Um, but let's just if I if you just take no, nobody denied what I just said or thought that it wasn't untrue that our life is hidden Christ he completely fulfilled the law for us and so our position in Christ is completely one who has always obeyed who has never sinned absolutely so then if that's the case why do I need to ask for forgiveness well look at the apostle Paul addressing the Corinthians okay they were just addressing the church Right. That was making some grievous mistakes that they didn't know it was a mistake. Well, maybe they didn't know and they didn't want to give it up. We can be Both, probably. <laughs> we can be awfully heavy with God. Okay. When if you're honest, every single day, we could count the times that we make the Holy Spirit free. Okay. Yeah, Jean. Well, it's, it's a justification of what we're doing. Like the Corinthians, they, you know, they, you know, they're new in Christ, but then they're living in the world, and by living in the world, they're doing things. You know, I know I do things I shouldn't do, but I justify it. In which case, it makes me feel better to me. I'm not completely submitted to God, and I'm living in the world, not spirit. So. I think of the, the scripture that says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us, because he knows our frame. So in his mind, right, because he's like, you guys are perfect, you're my kids, I've done it all for you, I've bought you, you're mine, I put my seal upon you, everything's good. But he still has left us to live in this world for a time. Right, And so he knows the benefit of us and what we need. And what we need is to, we will try to carry the sin that we were never intended to carry. We will try to do things um, without the help of the Holy Spirit. We will, not, we will try to step outside the, the, the Spirit. And so he brings us back, because here's the thing. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, who sin against us. Well, hold on a second. Would we forgive somebody if we weren't aware of how we've been forgiven. Because that's all we're really doing, even in confession and absolution, we're recalling, right, what God has finished on our behalf. It's not like you guys walk in here, um, a, a, a sinner, and, and 
and uh, without hope, right? Jesus pronounces forgiveness over you for now all eternity. He ever lives to make intercession for you. But God knows that he's left us in this flesh. And so now we're in this battle. So it's good for us. Because all we've talked about is, well, it's good. I feel better, right? Right? Why do you feel better? Because now you're more realizing who you really are in Christ. Now you're realizing, I was never meant to carry this burden of sin. That's not how God created us. Um, and so it's all this idea of, wait a second, it's all about Jesus. And these things drive us to really put our attention, because what it t- says in Hebrews 12 is to fix your eyes on Jesus, right? How hard is that to do? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I have to hear that multiple times a day. Hey, fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm like, I can't, but I want to. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, let me help you. Okay. I don't know how, right? We're going to look at that, how we're sheep today in our sermon, and you'll well, we'll have fun with it, I hope. How about Psalm 130, 3 and 4? Did you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Okay, so we're, we're just, I think we've all kind of said this. If we, were to mark, if we were to write down every single sin that we did have done, first of all, um, well, I, well, but see, this was the problem that Luther had, if you think about it, right? He tried to confess every single sin that he had done, and he would sit in that confessional booth, sometimes up to six hours a day, until we're finally, the, the, the priest told him, come back when you've really sinned, right? And the reality is, him looking at himself so much in that six hours was sin. It's like, look, what, let's look to Jesus, Let's not look at what you, because you have failed. Okay, that's great. And that's why we see that grace is a big deal for us in the Protestant movement, and especially in the Lutheran church, it should be. Because, yes, Connie. Link, aren't you forgiven? I mean, if, if you pray, aren't you forgiven your sins? I mean, it's not the same sin all the time. Yeah, so, so, no, that's a great question. So that comes back to what did Jesus accomplish on the cross, right? Jesus accomplished on the cross the issue of the sin nature that we were born with because of Adam and Eve. That, that, that cycle to where we had no hope was broken in Christ. And so the, it, the sin nature, that's why he created us new, but we still, because we walk around in this world, it's kind of like what Jesus told Peter, when Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, and, um, and Peter says, no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, if I don't do this, you have no part in me. He goes, well, then wash all of me, right? That makes sense. I said, well, I want to be everything in. And then what Jesus was saying is, you're already clean, but you need your feet wiped off. And I think that's a good analogy for us to look at. Well, yeah, we're already clean. Like you said, we're forgiven of our sins, past, present, and future. But... We walk around in this world, and we get some dirt on us, and we might participate in some of the mudslinging. Don't want to bring up a politic, you know, politician reference, but we participate in some of it, but God's like, let me just wipe that off of you. So that's really what I see when we come together 
on, on Sundays and we do the confession of the absolution, even when you're walking around, Lord, forgive me for that. I mean, I, that thought I had towards that person or man, I can't believe that word came out of my mouth and I'm just driving down the road or something. Where did that come from? You know, you're forgiven in Christ. You're completely forgiven, but recognizing that you're forgiven, I think is the issue. Agreeing, agreeing with God <laughs> in everything that he says. Yeah, that you that still need true. that you still need something. question is this, because we're discussing, um, is the effectiveness of Christ's crucifixion on the cross predicated upon our ability to receive? No, but we know we're forgiven, okay. but we don't really accept it because of insecurities, because of the temptations of the flesh. So maybe we have not fully apprehended it. Yeah. Um, and again, the challenge that we have is because there is we're still we're still in the body of flesh that is against the spirit. That's going to be the journey of our, yeah, our, yeah, our right. Our, our, I think life. Like you brought up politicians, and the, <laughs> Sorry. here and now, I'm not having much of a problem with what the politicians are out there doing. But if I go home and I've received oh. the forgiveness for my bitterness. But if I go home and start turning on the TV again and start having that good come back in. But that's the next thing, and lead us not into temptation. <laughs> right? Because really because really that's that's what it boils down to, right? Right? <laughs> well, but but serious I mean I'm not I don't know it's funny, but that's what we do, right? We're like, oh I feel so I feel so great here. I know I'm forgiven, it's so wonderful. And then I I I'm not listening to the news, it's so great, and then I go and I turn on the TV. Right? And it's like, why did I do that? Uh, right? And it's like because it's like a okay. Dogs, it's the grossest thing when they puke, what do they want to do? Right? And we have to realize that, that we, we are very similar to that in the flesh. In the flesh. See, when we gather together, it's like a, a bundle of sticks. We burn brighter, right? Because, because we're together and we're supporting one another and we're, we're looking to Christ together. It's when we're apart that sometimes is where we find the battle. And again, that's why I think it's so important that we gather together. I think it's so important that we, that we seek out relationships with other like-minded people who, who trust in Jesus so that we can really, you know, gain the strength from that. Because if you just, you know, it's kind of like you light a match and you set it off, it's not going to do it. You put a, a big log on there, and even if you set it off, it's going to burn a little bit longer because it's spent more time in that fire. And so... Um, you know, that's why, again, you are forgiven, right? And I don't, my, my, comp, my, my great goal is that as people 
work and live throughout their daily life that they would never doubt that they're forgiven, right? But at the same time, when they gather together, how nice it is to be reminded that it's not dependent upon me and my performance during the week, but God has, is faithful, and it's his steadfast love that we're drawing upon, and his mercy. But if we don't, if we don't recognize our dependency upon that mercy and upon that forgiveness of sins, right? We'll start running in our own strength. And before you know it, we're like, what, where, how did I get here? And that's why, again, I, and, I, and I want you to, I would encourage you to pray for those who don't stay connected on a regular basis because they're getting ripped off by the enemy. Uh, because why? The enemy doesn't want people to burn brightly for Christ. The enemy doesn't want people to get equipped and built up and, and to know their great forgiveness because they won't, they won't share the love of Christ with somebody else because they'll be overwhelmed with, ah, yeah, that's not really who I am, or man, I, who am I? Because I'm, you know, Steve. And then, uh, then Harold. Uh, no, Harold, will go first. Because I, I enjoy listening to him. Oh, there you go. Well, okay, so I mean, you know, one danger of, I mean, we can we could can become casual about sin if we say, okay, we have freedom because mm-hmm. we know that Christ is going to forgive. He's already forgiven it, so let's just go ahead and sin anyway. Yeah, and Paul addresses that. He goes, yeah, you know, Romans, yeah, exactly. should sin abound so that grace could superabound? No. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, that that can be a danger. Too. Sure. Sure. Yeah, for sure. That's this tension, right? Going off Harold's thing over there, but that as a Christian, one of the things I noticed over there is when I do sin and I'm in the Word and, and listening, the Holy Spirit nails me. Boom! I mean, you know, he's, you know, he can put his finger on that, and I, I mean, the conviction is deep in the heart. You know, you your attitude is not really graceful. You need to repent of that. Or, and he's been faithful, like you know, when when like Harold says, you can make an excuse of that. We're forgiven, but. Um, it's been true that if, if it's serious enough, the Holy Spirit has no problem going over and saying, hey, you need to get that right. Right, but in those moments where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you or the word comes out and you're like, oh, man. To me, we, we have to um, make sure, and again, um, that we're like, man, God loves me so much to, to help me, right? And, and one thing that always cracks me up, you get guys together, especially at, at men's retreats, <laughs> And they want to tell you how stupid they were, right? And they want to tell you, um, I hate the phrase, just, I won't, you can say it to me, but I, but I hate the phrase, well, God hit me upside the head with a two-by-four. I hate that phrase. I'm like, well, sad for you. You're, you're just claiming that, that you were rebellious and, and God had to get your attention because you wouldn't listen to him. I mean, it's like, and yet they're going, look, you know, it's kind of like the first lethal weapon. Well, look at this scar. You know, it's like, look, because you were stupid, right? And, and so... And so for me, I mean, I get the analogy, but I don't get wearing it as a badge, right? Because I'm like, oh man, Lord, may that not, I mean, because, I mean, I could say that. I see it as God at the right moment said, I love you so much, I'm going to stop you in your tracks. And, and I'm like, oh man, Lord, I'm so sorry that I, that I was able to just turn off the Holy Spirit, and the, turn down the volume and, and, um, because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon you. However, because you are his, he will not let you go down a path of 
destruction. He At the right time, he will go, okay, enough. Again, and our only response is, Lord, thank you. Just for future teaching, we have a younger group. You might want to define the word gentleman. <laughs> we're okay. We're good here. I know. We're good here, but if you ever do it in front of the younger audience, you might want to define gentleman. No, I'll probably call them yahoos. Anyway, so um, Luke 18, 13. Yes. So can we say that before the Lord, the Holy Spirit does the work on you and brings you in, because mm-hmm. it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. You are then you're so aware of your sins and you ask forgiveness and you go through that process. It's not any different than on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is convicting of you every day and maturing you and bringing you closer into the confidence, you know, to be more like Christ. Um, I, do, I know that today, Christian churches, I just heard this thing, 51% believe that there is a, and this is Christians believe there is another way to God except through Christ. And we've watered down everything to where we don't, anything goes and I'm forgiven and I'm a good person anyway, so I don't have to worry about it. I mean, that is where the church is a whole. Yeah, and I, I always hesitate to look at some statistics because sometimes there's a reason um, behind them. But I don't think it's it's too far-fetched that in America at least 51% believe that there's another way. So um, so I would say yes and no to, to what you're saying. Yes, the Holy Spirit is involved in both processes. But one's different. One's outside. One's within. Okay, so the, the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of their sin. Why? Why? To bring them to salvation. Okay, so there's a different function when you're not in Christ. When you're in Christ, it's to draw you to glorify Christ. Right? That's the work that he's doing within you to say, hey, now that we're walking along, you're no longer who you used to be. You're, you're, you're in, for lack of a better term, but you're still in this flesh. And there's some things, because I believe with my whole heart that every single Christian, that truly Christian person, desires nothing more than for Jesus to be magnified and glorified in their life. If it really gets down to it, I know that when Jesus is glorified, I'm benefited. I know when Jesus is glorified, my attention's on him, and, my, and, and I'm able to deal with life in a, little, in a little better way. And so that's what the Holy Spirit's doing and working with us. To go, hey, you're, you're distracted here, is, is how I like to look at it. This is, this is off course a little bit. So if we look at Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they come for me. Well, the rod was to, to keep the sheep from going off paths to step in things that they shouldn't step in. And that was a comfort to them. So that's the Holy Spirit's work was, hey, over here, some sheep comply more than others, right? And so, so the Holy Spirit's work within you is definitely that guiding and directing and holding back, which is, which is still, that's the goal of the Holy Spirit is to get you 
from outside feeling the condemnation to now let's work in a way that moves you on a path to righteousness. But I think what you're saying is there's so many teacher, preachers out there, especially because of the political landscape, they're walking on eggshells and not giving the full gospel. Mm -hmm. And they're saying things to quote whoever, you know, we're just going to tickle in your ear. You know, we're going to make you feel good, but we're not going to hit those tough subjects. Yeah, and I and the yeah. the world is going to condemn us more, and and oh by the way, we want more people in our membership, so we're going to look over these things, and we're not going to talk about the truth in Christ. Yeah, I mean it's tough, right? Because what are we saying? That we need a savior. What are we saying? That we are dependent upon a savior mm-hmm. every day, right? I mean that's what we're saying. We're saying that I can I I cannot live this life without help and you know the whole goal of of the world is to be self-sufficient right uh, or government sufficient i'm not sure right now it's kind of being confused right now and so so sorry that was a temptation i just gave into lord forgive me right but 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 you know i mean that's that's the challenge is like wait because here's the challenge for me as a believer is i want people to stand up on their own two feet right and, and to work and to find the pride that you have in work but i also want them to know they're totally dependent upon god right but government oh boy i got sidetracked government has replaced god in our societies for a lot of people and right and so we we have to we have to we have to rein that in and go wait a second this world is never going to give us the answers and so we look to something that who the person who created it all helps us a little bit may i uh we have like 40 seconds okay. so this was a c.s lewis um from bible gateway that, and so it's from mere christianity but i think that it really ties in with this it says the more that we get the more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let him take us over the more truly ourselves we become there is so much of him that millions and millions of little christs all different will still be too few to express him fully. We made them, he made them all, he invented, as an author invents characters in a novel, all the different men that you and I were intended to be. In that sense, our real selves are all waiting for us in him. It is no good trying to be myself without him. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. In fact, what I so proudly call myself becomes merely the meeting place for trains of events which I never started and which I cannot stop. What I call my wishes become merely the desires thrown up by my physical organism or pumped into me by other men's thoughts or even suggested to me by devils. Eggs and alcohol and a good night's sleep will be, the near, will be the real origins of what I flatter myself by regarding as my own highly personal and discriminating decision to make love to the, gift, to the girl opposed to me, opposite to me, excuse me, in the railway carriage. Propaganda will be the real origin of what I regard as my own personal political ideas. I am not in my natural state nearly so much of a person as I like to believe. Most of what I call me can be very easily explained. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, 
that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. Right. And in the Christian life, we are, when we deny ourselves, right, and our flesh, it's more, because this is who we are now. We're in Christ. And that's, this body is fading away, right? It's decaying, and most of us would agree things are a little lower than they used to be back in the day. So. And we won't fully realize who we are, right. really, until we right. let Christ be all. all. Right. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Bless us, help us <laughs> to, to, to give, make much of you and less of us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.